Hello and welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Candice. Grab a biscuit because we've got the tea on all things infertility. If you'd like to stay up to date with our story, follow me on Instagram at Operation Baby Bump. And subscribe to my YouTube channel, Operation Baby Bump. To get connected with others going through infertility, you can join the forums on theinfertility.com. This is a community resource created for infertiles by infertiles. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us and leave us a cheeky little review. Hey guys, welcome to episode 8. Hello. Right? Alright. You alright? I'm alright. So this is a rare occasion today. Daniel is off on a Saturday Bless the Lord, he works on weekends, so I've been hounding him to take a day off so we could spend time together. I like working the weekends. I like having Monday and Tuesday off because you can get so much more activities done. I guess so. Yeah, but it is a little bit intrusive for our relationship. We never share any days off, so it's nice to spend some time together. We went to breakfast this morning looked at some apartments we did we went and bought some perfect bars yeah, from bought some Jose's. More, replenished our stash yeah it's yeah. funny because a lot of the stores around us always run out of perfect bars very quickly yesterday i went into target and they had none of my peanut butter perfect and i get bars. the coconut ones and they weren't there either yeah if you've never had a perfect bar and they don't sponsor us, if they'd like to sponsor us, they're more than help. You know, they can. Perfect bar. Yeah. Eat it on the way to work. Remember, for all your infertile needs, eat perfect bar. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but seriously, if you've never had one, pick up the peanut butter one. It will fill you up from the morning until. Or the coconut. Or either one. And do you know what? They used to do a hazelnut. Yeah, they oh, do that around the holidays. Also, so they good. have a. It's a chocolate chip one and it tastes exactly like chocolate chip cookie dough yeah so, that is a good one but a bit very rich isn't it it's one? a little sweet so it's yeah. not really great for breakfast but it's great for like post-workout activity snack if you yeah. you know if you're into that sort of thing but which i'm not but yeah. yes yeah so we picked up some groceries after we looked at apartments yeah we're we're out of here soon Hopefully. Which is a pity, you know, because it was a good place yeah. once upon a time. Yeah. We sound so old. I Back know. in my day. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating to move. I know, I'm sure all of you have grown to loathe moving at some point. We've got it down to an exact science yeah. now. Though. We've moved far more times than we would like to even admit. We're basically carnies. <laughs> Not know? really. Close. So... Not looking forward to it, but we'd like to save money a month and pay off some of these IBF bills. That'd be great. Ugh. So let's do a little follow-up from our last episode about endometriosis. This seemed to be quite an eye-opening episode for a lot of people. I think a lot of people didn't realize how many symptoms they have. I had um, some feedback. One girl said... Thank you so much for doing an episode on endometriosis. It's so nice to hear that I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Um, Someone else said, man, thanks for this podcast. I have so many of these symptoms of endometriosis. I'm exhausted all the time. 
nauseous and have such bad periods. They told me I don't have it, but I'm for sure pushing to revisit that conversation again. That's the whole point yeah. of that podcast is yeah. do not listen to an expert that says, no, you don't have it, and they do nothing to check for it. Yeah, and I did I did ask her, did they do a laparoscopy? Is that why they said you didn't have it? And she mm-hmm. said no. No. So they can't tell you you don't have it. Yeah. Um, I, I've been told that too, and I accepted that. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it was because I was uneducated about it. I didn't know that, you know, you trust a doctor mm-hmm. to tell you, but really the only way to identify if you have it or not is through surgery. Just get up in there. I wish there was another way. Um, I've heard of people having MRIs. Um, sometimes it picks it up, sometimes it doesn't. For mine in particular, I had stage two. and How many stages is it? There's four stages, yeah. So I had mild to moderate, and my endometriosis was located in a lot of different places. It was on my tubes, my uterus, my... rectum. It was on my rectum. It was on my ureters, which are the tubes that um, go from your bladder to your kidney, I believe, and um, on my ovaries. Now, it was in a lot of different places, but it wasn't very deep, So I will say that I did have a couple of places where we could see it on the ultrasound that Dr. Vidali did before my surgery. Just flipping and like flipping and flapping, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really strange. I've never seen such a clear picture of my insides before. Yeah. But it could be detected now if you have stage one and maybe even stage two, they can't always see it in an ultrasound. So there are, there are ways, um, to investigate further, but a lot of doctors don't do it. No, no. I think, um, from what I heard, they had said that it's something to do with impact in fertility, right? Right. By doing the laparoscopy, there's a risk to impacting fertility, right? And I can't, if you're not a good doctor, yeah, Dr. Vidali said that was the, I think the reason most doctors don't go that route or some doctors don't go that route, but you know, you're looking at the, the equipment they used on you, the, the Da Vinci robot, right? It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, the risk of surgery going the wrong direction, like something being clipped that shouldn't have been clipped. Yeah. That's the technical term for it. Clipped. Um, clipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it must be so much lower. Watching the robot, I know there's a video online. For those who are nervous about laparoscopies and the Da Vinci robot, look up the video of the Da Vinci robot sewing the skin of a grape back onto the grape, and it it's incredible. Like the yeah. the the error rate is so low. Yeah, my incisions are really small, mm-hmm. and um, you I look have... like Fifty Cent with gunshot wounds. <laughs> yeah. It's been about a month since my surgery, and they're looking really good, except mm-hmm. for my belly button, which I won't go into detail, but it's looking, it's looking pretty weird. Well, uh, one other thing about endometriosis is I think the reason we didn't think you had it for so long is because obviously you were told, no, you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Once we saw those commercials on television where the, the girl's talking to herself in front of her OBGYN about, have you told them about the pain during sex? Yeah. Have you told them about the painful periods? And it was checking all of the boxes. So for the past three years, I was saying to Candice, you have endometriosis. Like, you have that. Those are your symptoms. 
but I think we live in a society now where everyone can um, diagnose themselves by looking on like WebMD. Oh no, I've got leprosy. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that bad, isn't it? Well, and the thing, I saw a statistic today, 62% of women learn about endometriosis online. Mm-hmm. That's That's pretty profound. And I think that's probably because they're very unsatisfied with the way their doctor yeah. is treating Oh, you know, oh, you're complaining. And it, and as a, as women, I think I'm no feminist. Trust me, I'm I'm not a feminist. But I think people view women in a certain light and as weaker and as lesser. Mm. And so when you're a woman and you're complaining about pain and men aren't going to understand that. No, like no. men, first of all, don't understand periods anyways. No. They don't understand the pain associated. So when you're talking about how painful it is, they're just like rolling their eyes. So Well, yeah, maybe not rolling our eyes, but we certainly... I'm talking about male doctors. Yeah, yeah. So male doctors, like they really don't know. No, um, but they, yeah, they And there's can't a lack understand. of compassion there too, a lot of the time. Yeah. I think it's all to do with bedside manner, isn't it? I, there's been doctors I've dealt with before where you genuinely felt like you were the only patient they had. Like, they're so yeah. interested in you and working out what your ailment is and how they can um, solve the problem. And then there's other doctors where really you feel like a number. Yeah. And well, I really loved my OB back in Texas. Mm-hmm. I loved her. Dr. Carnavali? Yeah. But the problem was, is she's the one who told me that, you know, pain with sex is due to my tilted uterus. So she told me that. Yeah. And so I accepted that. But, you know, the multiple doctor's visits that it takes to get get it diagnosed. Um, and I promise this episode is going to move on to something else. But I just wanted to talk about it because I had so much feedback. I actually posted on my Instagram about my call with Dr. Vidali. It was a follow-up call. He's the surgeon who removed my endometriosis. And um, this girl commented on my post and said that she was so glad that I got it resolved because it took her 18 years wow. and nine doctors to get her stage four endometriosis wow. diagnosed. And no doctor would listen to her. I just don't understand why. Stage four is the worst. That's yeah. what Lena had. Yeah, yeah. And if you do not catch it, sometimes there's no going back. Well, there's, it can there's lead no to going... cancer as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of health risks associated with mm-hmm. it, not just the, you know, the painful periods, yeah, the, yeah. Um, you know, you've got bowel issues, yeah. GI issues. You've got a, a multitude of health issues, mm-hmm. and there is no coming back from stage four no. 100% of the time. For Lena, there was no going back. Yeah. Um, she lost everything, you know, that to me, I love her so much that I take what happened to her so personally and I, it makes me so angry. I just can't even think about it Mm. because she's the last person in this world that deserved that. But it just goes to show the type of things that, that can happen to people. So yeah, Yeah. again, I think the whole point of this podcast has been from the beginning, not just to, you know, provide visibility into the the different processes there are in infertility. It's also to 
encourage people to push back. Yeah. Don't accept that first answer. Like second opinions exist for that reason. Right. Right. And it's, it, and you never know. You trust. You can trust your doctor as much as anyone. Right. But if they're wrong, they're wrong. And trust your gut because mm-hmm. it's your body. You're living in it. If you feel that something's off, ninety nine percent of the time something off. is off. Yeah. yeah. Our bodies are very good at communicating with us about mm-hmm. things that are wrong. I'm not talking about hypochondriacs, you know, there's no, no, no. or um, psychosomatic conditions. I'm talking about people that are in their right mind who can feel that their body's off and yeah. speak up for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Got to have so that confidence. It's really important. And, and this, this kind of follow-up brings me to today's topic. So continuing on in our series about major causes of infertility, today I wanted to talk about unexplained infertility. Now, when I was planning this episode, I debated on whether or not to address this as a major cause of infertility because unexplained infertility in itself is not a cause. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a label slapped on many couples. I mean, this is a very common label when doctors can't find the cause. Um, it's, it's just a lazy a, person's way out. Right. That's it's what just, it is. uh, I guess a diagnosis to yeah. make you feel better, like they're doing something for you mm-hmm. in the interim before they can figure it out. So yeah. the problem though, with this diagnosis is that it becomes accepted. Yeah. You and I had this diagnosis for many years and yeah. we carried it around like it was, was a diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. It we took... accepted it. It took Dr. Vidali, was it Dr. Braveman, to say Yeah, that there is no exist. such thing <laughs> as unexplained thing. infertility. Yeah. He said that to us. He said, there's always an explanation. We mm-hmm. just have to find it. Yeah. And I've never heard someone say that to me before, especially mm-hmm. a doctor. So, you know, when you feel like it's a diagnosis, you accept it and go forward. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. So I just wanted to bring awareness to this dark corner of infertility, which there's so many people that are sitting there with this diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't sit there and accept that as a diagnosis. Do not do that. And I really wish that every doctor would investigate and dig and research and do the hard work for their patients. And this just kind of seems like giving up a little bit to me. Yeah, I agree. I think also we're so in tuned as adults to accept when a professional person says this is what it is we accept it right because we build that trust uh like if a policeman says you're speeding most of the time you're gonna say oh man i was speeding no i would say well the, no sir i wasn't i mean unless you if were i speeding. wasn't <laughs> yeah. but i've been pulled over for, <laughs> yeah. for speeding when i wasn't actually speeding and on the next episode of Candace <laughs> called speeding <laughs> no i'm not gonna go off on a tangent but i have been don't do it. I have been wronged many times, but we'll move on. <laughs> Gosh. Like the time we no, were leaving you work. Do it. Yeah, what, you ran a, a stop sign. I didn't run a stop sign. <laughs> like, so I just moved to America. It was 2011. We'd not long been married. We were both working at Disney. Sharing a car. Sharing a car. I mean, we were poor. We were so poor. Yeah. Zaxby's for dinner most nights because it was five dollars and you got a drink. It was yeah, they were the good days. Crinkle so. cut, and we got Texas toast. Yeah, nice. Anyway, um, we're leaving the car park at Epcot, the staff car park, and there's there's a stop sign, and then there is a yield sign before it. 
you drove through the yield sign. And, and he, he said, said stop sign. That I drove through the stop sign, which I didn't. So I was telling him, do you mean, and I'm like pointing. She, she argued with him. And I, it was clearly an officer who was not going to stand for yeah. anything. So the best way you could have handled it. And since, and since Candace has taken lessons just to say, oh, I didn't realize I did that and just move on because you won't get a ticket. I've been pulled over so many times and I never get tickets. All right. But anyway, but it was back in the day. Anyways, back to the regularly scheduled programming. We were frustrated for many years and it feels like living with a mystery serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when you keep losing pregnancies, it's like there's a serial killer in my body and you're okay with that. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty deep. I've not heard that. I'm not trying to be deep. I'm just trying to say that there's something causing all these miscarriages. And you don't know what it is. And I don't know what it is. So it's really frustrating. I think the most frustrating thing about unexplained infertility is that the doctors continue to tell you that there's hope. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, well, let's do this next and see what works. Let's try this. And it's all trial and error. And any doctor will pretty much tell you that when they're dealing with unexplained infertility, it's trial and error because I had both REs tell me that. And it provides a sense of, oh, well, this could still happen. That's why we're eight. If you would have asked me eight years ago, if I would be trying to have a baby for this long, I would have said no. If it's not working, it's obviously not going to work. Yeah, yeah. If you'd have asked me if I would have still been with you after eight years, I would have said probably not. So oh. I'd be in Hollywood somewhere. That's mean. You got a catch. <laughs> yeah, I did. I absolutely. I caught myself a big tuna. <laughs> big tuna. <laughs> <laughs> so really this episode is not really going to be complaining about unexplained infertility. Yeah. I, I really wanted to share some stories of some women that I've met who have unexplained infertility Mm -hmm. and just kind of paint you a picture of what it's like. And also what we want to happen from that is we want people to relate to these stories. Right. And then that gives them the strength to just go and say, I'm not accepting unexplained infertility. I'm going to go and push back. Yeah. And when I was researching some facts for this episode... I actually couldn't really find any facts Mm -hmm. about unexplained infertility. Mm -hmm. Um, There aren't really stats on it because it is not a diagnosis. It's a label. Yeah. You've got to remember as well, those doctor's offices are not including those unexplained infertilities in their success results, in their failure results. And they're not reporting it because if there is success... Yeah. Then they're... They'll, they'll take it. Yeah, right? they're just taking it as a but success. But if it's unexplained, then they'll call it a, a variable and put it into that gray area, which is why you see so many high success rates at, cl- at clinics like that. The yeah. infertility clinics. It's a scam. It's not good. You've got to push back. You've got to say, I'm not accepting unexplained. We need to work out what this is. I really just wish unexplained infertility was not even... A, 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 a label at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Who coined that phrase? I just, Seriously. I wish that they would find the cause mm-hmm. like they're supposed to do. Yeah. So let's, let's hear from some women via me. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to have to do. <laughs> hey, hey. Hi, my name's Kendall. 
Gendor? I, don't, I was trying to think of a name. Oh, my word. <laughs> um, that sounded like an old lady as well. Okay, I, I have to do a little side note. Daniel makes up words and he names, and he also makes up jingles. <laughs> Will you sing the jingle you, you sang earlier? <laughs> Which one was it? The one when I came out of the toilet? Yeah. What did I say, though? He's I don't... nude from the waist <laughs> down. Nude from the waist <laughs> down. <laughs> and I wasn't even nude. He wasn't. He just, his brain. And then what was the other one I did afterwards? I don't know. Oh, I don't know, but he he should really write jingles for commercials. Oh, They're really catchy. Who wants nude from the waist down <laughs> on a commercial? It could be like a Charmin commercial or something. His nude from the waist down. His nude from the waist down. No, Charmin. It was not like that. How did it go? I don't know. Nude from the waist down. Nude from the waist down. <laughs> okay, let's get back to it. We're getting sidetracked, guys. Yeah. Okay, so here's the first story. We've been trying to conceive since we got married in 2014. We started at our clinic in late 2015. No answers in all of our tests. We did six or seven rounds of IUI. I did one round of IVF last summer. We got two embryos and had a chemical pregnancy in August and then a positive after our FET in October. I miscarried at about seven weeks. We will be doing our second round of IVF in April and starting my birth control in March. No real big change in our protocol, just upping the drug a bit. I'm sorry for your losses. That's, you know, nobody should have to do trial and error, especially when it involves miscarrying and losing embryos. I mean, I just, I hate it. Mm -hmm. Poor thing. The next story is... My husband and I got pregnant on our honeymoon and had a miscarriage in September of 2016. After a year of trying and a chemical pregnancy and a normal HSG, that's a hysterosalpingogram, that's when they blow dye through your uterus and fallopian tubes and do an x-ray to make sure that it's clear, your tubes are clear and the shape of your uterus is fine and there are no polyps. After that, we went to our local RE. I was initially diagnosed with DOR, which is Diminished Ovarian Reserve, in September 2017 and told to go straight to IVF for embryo banking and PGS testing. Before we started, they found a mass on my ovary and sent me to oncology, who recommended removing it via laparoscopy after retrievals. So three IVF retrievals got us six PGS-tested frozen embryos. The mass was benign, but they had to take my right ovary. By May 2018, we were ready to start building our family. Three frozen embryo transfers failed to implant. They ran lots of tests, which all came back as if nothing were wrong. Normal SHG, hysteroscopy, karyotyping, uterine biopsy, receptive ERA, normal RPL, negative APA and ANA screen, etc. My AMH was higher now, and I don't have DOR? Just unexplained. Fourth transfer, we added Lupron suppression, doxycycline, Medrol, and we got pregnant, but miscarried at six weeks. My RE thinks we just have really bad luck. We are devastated and losing hope. Our phone consult with Dr. Braverman suggested possible silent endo. 
We are filling out paperwork now and hoping a different local RE will be willing to work with Braverman as a consult. If not, we are going ahead with him anyway because we feel as though this is our last chance. That sounds very similar to our situation, except for getting pregnant on our honeymoon. Um, and then also, how can you go from a diminished ovarian reserve right. to now no longer having a right. diminished ovarian reserve? That's You are born with the eggs you have. Yeah. Right. There's... You can't, they can't grow anymore, yeah. so that's just irritating that yeah, someone's been that told they that they were wrong the first time. Yeah. Or wrong the second time. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, I think the the best thing about that whole message, first of all, sorry for your losses. Yes. 100%. So we, we are right there with you. Uh, but the word braverman being in there just fills you with confidence yeah. that uh, hopefully something good is going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy. I think you're in really good hands with Dr. Braverman and you know it's so sad I think Elena and I talked about this in our last podcast that it takes so much turmoil sometimes to get to Mm -hmm. doctors like this it takes so much loss and you know he specializes in recurrent miscarriage and endometriosis and it takes you know so much loss to even Mm -hmm. dig for a doctor like this who specializes in that so I think you're in really great hands, as am I, and I pray that we get our miracle soon. At the same time, would be cool, and then they can be pen pals. That would be cool. Do people still pen pals? Dear Johnny. Who's Johnny? I'm so glad oh. <laughs> we became friends. Good luck. Godspeed. Yes, Godspeed. Daniel, why don't you read the third one? Okay. We started trying to conceive in 2009. We were diagnosed with unexplained infertility and have also had recurrent pregnancy loss as a diagnosis. We have done four rounds of IVF, 10 transfers, and a total of 22 embryos transferred. Mm. Out of those transfers, I got pregnant twice. Both were twins, but we lost them both before six weeks. I have been pregnant seven additional times naturally. Four were again lost to early miscarriage, and two were lost to ectopic pregnancy. One ruptured, and I lost my right tube in January of 2018. In July 2018, we learned a miracle occurred, and we were blessed with our ninth pregnancy. And today, I'm 37 weeks pregnant with a baby boy. Yay! Woo! I've been to two REs, as well as a recurrent loss specialist. But there is no rhyme or reason to why I've lost the previous pregnancies, or why it's taken so long to become pregnant. Just unexplained. She did go on to say that her AT3 was borderline deficient, which is a clotting factor, but they don't know if this is a cause for miscarriages. Endometrial biopsies and all other tests, including her husband's tests, were normal. Mm. Mm. Congratulations. Congratulations on your rainbow. Awesome. I am devastated that you had to go through all of that to get to where you are now. I think probably you feel a little bit numb at that point and it's all such a blur I know for me what's happened to us is really a blur yeah. it's like a scar doesn't feel like eight years right it it's it's like a scar it's it's a wound that's healed but it's always gonna be this like thick hard piece of skin you're carrying around yeah um yeah 100 percent I think it always you're going to feel when you see other people with kids and they're happy, you're going to have that mm. sort of envy. Yeah. They're like, man, 
I just want to tie my kid into bed. It That's hurts. what I want to do. It really hurts. I think, I know for me, every time I go to Target and I see women with their Starbucks in one hand and pushing their cart with their baby mm-hmm. and they're playing with their baby, I, I can't wait to do the normal things. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the simple things. I can't wait for bath time and bedtime and story yeah. time and the arguments with our teenage daughter because she wants to stay out late and I, I can't wait for all of it. All of the inconveniences yeah. that everybody talks about. I'll I take wait them and I'll smile. Yeah. yeah. We, we cannot wait. And so going through the 10 transfers, 22 embryos. Crazy. And seven natural pregnancies. Mm-hmm. I, my heart breaks yeah. because that's seven times you were so excited mm-hmm. and then it just is horrible. It's but horrible. Looking at the positive, I'm so glad that she's got what she deserves. Yes. And I don't know this so person. I, I don't see these yeah. messages. You could be anyone, but um, I am over the moon for you. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm so sad that they don't know they still don't know after mm-hmm. all this time what the cause is. What the causes yeah. for the miscarriages are. I think probably she feels. I know I would feel mm-hmm. scared to get pregnant yeah. again. Yeah. I mean, I I know you know when we are on off cycles and we're not having treatment. I don't really even want to try naturally because I'm scared to get pregnant and mm-hmm. then lose it. Yeah. Because that's all that's happened to me. Yeah. And. Yeah. I think you start to mistrust your body and to have no answers, you know, oh, well, it was, you know, a clotting factor. We'll just put her on Lovenox, you know, and then her pregnancies will continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, what this, this last time was, this ninth pregnancy. I don't know what was the trick. I don't yeah. even know if she knows what, what, what the trick was. Yeah. But so glad. So happy. Maybe she ate pickles that day and it thinned her blood and, you know, who knows? (laughs) Just so we're clear, Candace thinks pickles are the solution to everything. They Um, are, dude. When I have sciatica, (laughs) when my sciatica's flared, I'm in that refrigerator getting the pickle juice. Getting them pickles. Yeah. 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 Pickle martinis. (laughs) But I want to thank everyone for sharing their stories with me. I know I wasn't, I didn't have time to read everybody's story, but what do you think? Of these stories, Daniel? Um, It really puts into perspective uh, when you feel like you have the worst situation in the world, there's people out there that have always got it worse than you. Yeah. Um, And you have to be grounded enough to say, you know what, I'm having a tough time, but I'm grateful I have my health. Um, And I'm going to do my best to build my family. And there's there's other routes. But when I hear these sort of stories... um, it just reinforces the fact that it's so important that there's a community that supports these guys and helps them through these things. Well, when you first get to your RE, they do the standard testing. Yep. And it all comes back normal most of the time. The The people that have success, I feel, is when something in that first batch of tests comes back abnormal. Yeah. And they can fix it at that time. Oh, the semen, you know, there's something with the sperm analysis. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it looks like your AMH is low. Let's account yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you look like you have a genetic thing. Let's account for that. It's when you get through those tests in the first place and they're all normal. Mm-hmm. Why isn't there a second battery of tests that's run 
you know, the second failed transfer, third failed transfer, why isn't there some kind of better standard mm-hmm. to say, okay, let's stop here. There's something else at play. Yeah. And then a whole separate battery of tests can be run at that yeah. point. Well, it, I, I agree. That would make sense. I think one of the things I heard that really frustrated me is when our doctor's office said that they no longer run miscarriage panels. Yes, which I asked for multiple times yeah. because I know that it's offered at other clinics because mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, people in the community yeah. posting about their miscarriage panel. Oh, well, they found a blood clotting factor, so yeah, now yeah. I'm taking Lovenox, and then they get pregnant. That's happened to a few people that I yeah. talk to quite often, and mm-hmm. one of them just had her baby seven days ago, maybe. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, you know, I know it's a possibility. Yeah. If you'll remember, we were in the office on our on the day of our fifth transfer. Mm-hmm. We sat down with our doctor. Okay, you know, she's verifying my name. She's looking at my bracelet. She's mm-hmm. making sure that that bracelet matches the catheter that the embryo is going to go through. Yeah. And she's verifying everything. And I said, now, if this doesn't work, can we do a miscarriage panel? I'm already thinking it's not going to work because... Yeah. That's all I've known. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Spoiler alert. It, it didn't, didn't work. work. It didn't work. So, and of course she told me, don't say stuff like that. You know, let's get through that. We're going to, this is going to be positive, blah, blah, blah. But she said to us that it's not a standard practicum of care mm-hmm. anymore. It's, it's just not what they do anymore. Yeah. So what? If your patient's asking for it. Work it out offer it for me it doesn't make sense how can you continue to try and build something off a foundation that you don't recognize as being sturdy right so if you go to build a house you you test that foundation over and over again until you're sure that there's not going to be any structural issues if the house does fall down you can bet your bottom dollar they go back and look at that foundation why are we not looking after the fact after we lose a child at that foundation your analogy is totally correct architects have years and years and years and years Mm of of history to look back on and say Mm -hmm. okay look that that bridge collapsed because two years after it was built because of this Mm -hmm. and they take that history and they integrate it into their practices Mm -hmm. and they use best practices Mm -hmm. why aren't fertility clinics using best practices when it comes to people with unexplained infertility. Yeah. Why? Don't know. That's my question. You know why? Because they're making money the way they're making money. Why are we sitting here in 2019 still talking about why Mm -hmm. so many people have been labeled with unexplained infertility? This is beyond my my comprehension. We have cars that can drive themselves. Well done, Tesla. Elon Musk, what a man. I... You know what I mean? We yeah, have robots no, that can do surgery and stitch skin back onto a grape. No, no. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way you made that sound was like it stitched human skin to a grape. Yeah. That's freaky. Uh, that That's like Frankenstein. Freaky. But you know what I'm saying? We should be so much farther along in infertility. I mean, we're talking yeah. about creating life and the types of people that go through this want to be parents. Mm-hmm. You have... This half of the population sitting on toilet seats getting pregnant mm-hmm. and not wanting to. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have this other half of the population that are, are dying to instill values and and love and provide a wonderful home for children and yeah. be the best parents. And it doesn't make sense to me that we're not doing a better job of helping these people. No, no. I don't understand. I wish I, I wish there could be a Walt Disney of fertility. Someone who had the courage to turn everything upside down. Hey, that may be Dr. Braveman. I think it is. I mean, I think he's a braver man than oh, most of us. <laughs> um, I think he is brave. I think he he does the hard work. Mm-hmm. So here's to getting pregnant with Dr. Braverman. Clink. Clink, clink. And by the way, we're in no way paid for... Number one, <laughs> we're not paid for anything. Number two, <laughs> no. we're not paid to talk about Dr. Braverman. It's just that... We've been through so much, and we finally have someone yeah. that's, like, not afraid mm-hmm. to, to help us. And to tell us the truth. And not just... not looking at us going, mm, yeah, well, you're just a tough case. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. that. Because of your BCG being and, a little high, we, that could... And, and by the way, the person who said that her doctor told her she has bad luck, I've heard that more than once from my first RE. And newsflash, that is not something you can put on a diagnostic form and bill the insurance. Bad luck is not something that will appear on there. So I really hope that, I guess what I hope this episode does is, like you said, Mm -hmm. shows everyone kind of the differences, how unexplained infertility can look so different for other Mm -hmm. people. There can be a cause one minute, and then there's not a cause, and then also... I really hope people feel like they're not alone and that they're walking alongside so many other people that really are going through the same Mm -hmm. things that they are. Let's remove this stigma from anything that is private like this and uh, actually share your stories and encourage other people to go and be successful. So thank you, ladies, for sharing your stories. It was brave and I appreciate it. Thank you, husbands and partners as well. It is a thankless task, but your support means a great deal to everyone. Yes. Next time on the Infertility Podcast. Diminished Ovarian Reserve. Thanks for listening. I'm Daniel. And I'm Candice. Night-night. Night-night.